Welcome to Mythids. My name is Brooke. My name's Alyssa, and I'm a literal human plague to Brooke's neighbors. <sighs> so, you guys, I'm sure, remember a couple episodes ago, um, we got a little passionate in our argument, and we did get the- the our, my downstairs neighbor started banging on the ceiling to make us shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, Alyssa, and also our friend Catherine from last episode, uh, came to visit me over this past weekend- and we were playing The Sims and were so loud about it that two nights in a row, <laughs> my neighbor started banging bang. on the ceiling again. <laughs> These are instances that only ever involve me. Yeah, this only happens when Alyssa and I are interacting for some reason. <laughs> Total mystery as to why that could be, but uh, apologies <laughs> to your neighbors. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start like making her baked goods or something. Yeah. Like every time we record, she'll go. She'll go to leave her apartment the next morning, and there'll be like a plate of cookies on the ground <laughs> that spell out "I'm sorry" or something. <laughs> yeah. Just sorry for the noise. We'll bring some. I'm next sorry. Time. I'm loud, dumb, and I can't help it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please forgive me. We try oh. our best. I try so hard. <laughs> um. Do you know whose turn it is to go first? I want to say it's mine. That I didn't feels check right, with anybody but I always say that. <laughs> no, it is. It is you. Yeah. Because okay. I did before you last time, I think. I think that's correct. That sounds correct to me. So I'm going to go with right. that as a correct statement. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I want you to know I had a really hard time with this because I wanted to try and mix it up for what cryptid I was going to bring or monster or myth that I was going to bring. And I really wanted to do something uh, sexy, single, and under 30. And (laughs) (laughs) the problem with doing that is it's really hard to find those if you just Google hottest monsters, hottest cryptids, most dateable monsters on Google, which, yes, if you check my Google search history, those are the exact words that I used. I assumed as such. <laughs> um, the problem is, majority of society is cowards, and it's like, ooh, werewolves, vampires, uh, Freddy or Jason, which, no. And I'm what? Pretty sure, yeah, no, like, Sorry? these give you, yeah, it's so bad. Okay, Jason I can almost see with, like, the mask, but, like, mm-hmm. Freddy's face is all fucked up. And also, also, in the first movie, wasn't he a pedophile? I was gonna say, also, I'm, like, 90% sure he's a pedophile, so what if we didn't? That's so bad taste. not that one. Yeah, that's that's bad taste all around. But anyway, I think Pennywise was in the list, too, which also is, like, pseudo Again, not problem. good. Like, not eats great. children, get better taste. Like, listen, I'm all here for supporting everyone's rights to want to date monsters, but at least have taste about it. Like, Jesus Christ, people. Exactly. Anyway, this tangent was brought to you uh, by me getting desperate and finding a cryptid I thought was super cool and interesting that most people probably know about, but I didn't know about. Uh, and I have the Foo Fighters. I'm sorry? The who? I have the the, the Foo Fighters, which oh, most you know, people- the band? <laughs> <laughs> I was so hoping you would say that because <laughs> yes, they're What the fuck a else band. am I supposed to say to that, Alyssa? <laughs> I'm so Next happy. Next week, I'm going to bring Nirvana. <laughs> you know, actually, it's really interesting you say that because I, you may or may not know this. The drummer from the Foo Fighters is the drummer from Nirvana. I did know that, yes. <laughs> okay. 
I thought it was like a fun coincidence. Anyway, the Foo Fighters, the band, got their name after this cryptid. So this the cryptid came first. The band came after. Fun fact. Fucking posers. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about uh, Foo Fighters here, because I think they're into light. Um, They are glowing balls of light that either glow red or white or orange. Um, And they would surround fighter planes during World War II. And a lot of the pilots that saw them when they were flying or had them chasing their planes described them as resembling Christmas lights. These sounds like they were just like lens flares or like the light hitting their windshield in a weird way. You would think that, but uh, not quite. (laughs) Um, So... They were first sighted in November of 1944 uh, when pilots were flying over Western Europe and there were fast moving glowing objects that were following their aircrafts. Um, They would make wild turns and twists, like seemingly toying with the aircraft itself, following along either the body itself or the wings before vanishing entirely. Um, A lot of the pilots suspected that they were under encounter under intelligent control because they would be in exact formation with the aircrafts, but they were never actually hostile to the planes themselves. These just sound like some sort of fae that got bored, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> that, that's honestly what it sounds like. Like, they just follow along really fast. They sort of mess and Start shit, and don't actually do anything, but scare yeah. the shit out of people for no good fucking reason. Essentially, yes, because yeah. there's a whole bunch of reports um from actually both sides of the war, like, the Allied forces were terrified that this was a secret, like, war weapon. Um, but no, it was seen in the Pacific as well. <laughs> My dangerous weapon, Christmas lights. <laughs> Which, like, I can't judge. I've never flown a plane. I don't know the horrors of war, but, like, I don't know. Something about, like, being able to kill hundreds of men and then being terrified of, like, fairy lights is interesting to me. <laughs> No disrespect. I I understand being like, what the fuck is that? But, like, this is a new weapon. What country, like, what areas did you, were they seen all over the place, or? So, they were primarily seen um, by, or at least because, you know, we get a lot of the research from the United States. The U.S. uh, fighter planes reported seeing it over Western Europe in the campaign, um, but interestingly enough, both the German so, fighter forces in Western Europe and the Japanese fighter planes would detail the same experiences. Western Europe, wouldn't that include, like, the UK? Yeah. Okay. So my, my fae theory remains strong, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's entirely plausible. Like, I've never heard it further east than Germany. I mean, unless you count the Pacific, but, like, that's a different kind of... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, your your European and uh, Pacific Central are where they were primarily spotted. Okay. Um, but interestingly enough, they were described differently in the Pacific. Um, the Pacific fighter pilots that saw these were just balls of fire. They said it was a large burning spear which hung in the sky, uh, which could sometimes follow the aircrafts, but it would really just sort of hover there. And, again, nothing was ever reported as being attacked or hostile towards the planes, but it's the difference between, like, a glowing Christmas light and a gigantic fireball, which, honestly, I'll give that to the Pacific fighter planes. I'd be terrified if a ball of fire was following my plane. Coward. 
So, you might be wondering where the hell the name Foo Fighter comes from, and also why. Part of me is terrified it's going to be in some way racist. Uh, Not sure how, but... Funnily enough, no. This is actually a cover-up for, I don't want to say racist, but a derogatory term was the original, and then people were like, oh no, Foo Fighter is much better. So, actually, it was the opposite So, it was a cover-up for racism. (laughs) Kind of, kind of. Anyway. Okay. Um, in Europe, when they first spotted these, like the European tours and a lot of the, uh, European soldiers would originally call them kraut fireballs, pardon the term, because I know that's derogatory. Um, but no one really had a good name for what was happening other than like the glowing balls of light that sometimes attach ourselves, attach themselves to our plane. That was until November 27th, 1944. So as background for this, because it is important, in the United States at the time, there was a fireman cartoon series uh, in the U.S. called Smokey Stover, and I think it originated originated around the 1930s, um, but Bill Holman was the creator of this and would often include the word foo or like that nonsense word as uh, like catchphrase. I think it was like, where there's foo, there's fire. So it's just like a stupid little cat. I don't understand what that means, really. But apparently it was really popular at the time. Okay. And um, the 415th Night Fighter Squadron, the radio operator uh, Donald J. Myers was apparently a huge fan of these comics. Like, he'd get them in from the uh, Chicago Tribune and, like, hang them up in his office or whatever. Um, so on the night of November 27th, 1944, the intelligence officers were reporting back to him about the mystery lights. And according to two other officers who were in the room at the time, Myers actually had a strip of this comic in his back, back pocket. And upon hearing this report, sl- like took the comic strip out of his back pocket, slammed it on the desk and said, it was another one of those fucking Foo Fighters. <laughs> So, because you're really obsessed with the fandom, so everything that happens links back to it in your head. Apparently, that's what happens. So, if you're part of a fandom now and have ever wondered, is this experience universal? The answer is yes. yes. And also, it happened in the military. Oh my god. But yeah, uh, there was no better name for this at the time, and everyone f- like absolutely loved that this man just slapped this comic strip down and named it after it. It was a power so, move, so I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was just like, holy shit, this is great. From now on, we're going to report all incidents as fucking Foo Fighters. Thanks a lot, Myers. <laughs> so that pretty much, that, that's where it at least or, or originated. I can words. Okay. Originated. You can't read, um, but that's okay. But <laughs> what further cemented it was in the U.S. on January 15th, 1945. Uh, the, that particular edition of Time magazine also had a story about it and used the term Foo Fighters. So that really, like, cemented the name. Right. Um, the story more or less covered what I've already told you, but it basically said that, you know, your pilots would have different descriptions of what was happening or what they saw as terms of color or their behavior that they could all agree that for about a month now that this thing was following their aircrafts at, like, insanely high speeds. So I have a question for you. Sure. Do, you, do, you have an, do they have, like, a lot of information on these things, or are you wrapping up? 
Um, I have a little bit more as to what it could possibly be, but okay. more or less yeah, my, most My of... reason for asking this is how are mm-hmm. you going to argue that this is either dateable or could win in a fight? Just, because if we I go under if we go under the assumption, you know, I didn't I'll be honest with you, one I didn't think that far ahead, but two I'm already okay. in it now, so we're just going through Here with we it. Go. We're going with it. <laughs> but if we go under the assumption that it is a sentient intelligent life form because again, a lot of the pilots were convinced that it was because of its behavior, then Mm -hmm. I'm going with something similar to your theory that it's either, like, some kind of alien or fake cryptid that just happens to enjoy dicking with planes. And if you think I can't argue off of that little, I have proven everyone- I know you can. (laughs) I know we can. I know you can. Okay, fine. Continue with your explanation. Also, I'm just saying, you're talking to the dumbass who thought the celestial galaxy monsters that were literally just fractures of nebulous space from the new uh, Men in Black movie were the hottest thing she's ever seen. So, like, I don't really, you don't really need to argue with me about glowing entities of light being hot because I'm already there. I'm already there. We're already, my foot's already in the door. All Someday, I have to do is walk through. This podcast will be the reason for Smurf breaking up with you. <laughs> and I, for one, cannot wait. She has dealt with so much worse of my bullshit for so long. She I know has this, but like now she has to deal with it on a scheduled weekly basis. I mean, I don't know what she thought was going to happen when we move in together, which she gets it at like a schedule daily or hourly basis. But I have fun news for her about the prospect of our future living arrangements. So really, this is just training. Yeah. Getting her ready. (laughs) Exactly. She's getting her foot in the door. All she's got to do is walk through. Look at that. Parallelism. Anyway, shout out to my girlfriend. Uh, please don't break up with me. <laughs> anyway, getting getting back on task. Um, okay, so we have some theories. We have three theories as to what these Foo Fighters could actually be. Theory number one, a Nazi super weapon. I'm going to go ahead uh, right there and cut, cut any uh, further explanation of that right down immediately because it's absolute and complete bullshit um there was never any evidence to support this there was no offensive capabilities of these balls of light whatsoever so they never did any damage Uh, it was completely implausible for the technological capabilities needed to make drones of this size and function uh for the time period it was made so a lot of people are actually still convinced like no this is the most plausible explanation they were just testing it uh, no. Based on all reports at all times, and also the fact that they were still seen by the German fighter planes. No. That's not what it is. At all. Your next plausible explanation, um, which is the rudest thing I've ever actually read, oh, no. was, um... In April 1945, the U.S. was trying to experiment on, uh, visual illusions by, like, night uh, pilots. So they're like, oh, we're studying vertigo. 
And I guess psychologists at the time didn't really understand vertigo or, like, how it worked in relation oh, to aviation. <laughs> but the <laughs> one, an, a, a direct quote from Edgar Vinak's The Concept of Aviators of Vertigo. Pilots do not have sufficient information about phenomena of disorientation and, as a corollary, are given considerable disorganized, incomplete, and inaccurate information. They are largely dependent upon their own experience, which must supplement and interpret traditions about vertigo, which are passed on to them. It's so fucking rude to pilots! <laughs> like, I don't know a lot about planes. I don't know shit about how flying works but for psychologists to just come in and be like oh these pilots don't know what they're talking about they're crazy they're just using words they don't even know what that means pilots are dumb and cannot be trusted to explain their own experiences yeah literally (laughs) literally the crux of that argument which wow oh boy absolutely unbelievable um my personal uh, hopes is that it's aliens or cryptids for sure, uh, because a lot of people have said that if the term UFO was more popular at the time, or if the term UFO was colloquialized, that's more or less what it would have been described as. Uh, so a lot of people will categorize uh, Foo Fighters under UFO experiences okay, or sightings. But like, <laughs> UFO is so much like the default explanation for so many things. <laughs> I'm aware of I'm this. gonna need more evidence bagging that up. I, for one, like my faith theory more based off mm-hmm. of location and behavior. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of fair. impishly pestering in a way that could cause horrible consequences for mankind is kind of what Faye are into. I'm 100% you know? here for that explanation. Not actively hurting people, but yep. maybe, you know, doing things to make people paranoid and for the war to suck. <laughs> exactly! Um... The truth is the most likely explanation for what's actually happening here, which there are some, some room for skepticism here, so I'll get into that. But the most likely explanation is either ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire, uh, because electrical discharge from planes has been known to occur at the tip of the wings, which would explain why it was following them. Mm. It would explain the lights themselves, um, because St. Elmo's fire is... Basically, it's an unexplained phenomenon that occurs during heavy thunderstorms. So lightning appears as this spherical object, um, anywhere from pea size to several meters in height. And this more or less can happen from an excess of static electricity or, again, the electricity in the air forming into plasma. And this has been seen at boats. Um, I think it's also, there's a video floating around over a train track once or electric train. Um, But it's primarily seen by pilots due to, again, passing through thunderstorms. Now, here's my issue with this. St. Elmo's fire has been described by meteorologists as a rare weather phenomenon. And granted, Time Magazine in 1945 also thought that this was a super weapon. But it said that the reports had been occurring for about a month frequently. So... St. Elmo's fire is typically blue or purple. The lights were red, orange, and glowing. Um, If it was fiery, that doesn't explain the electric plasma. And, again, if it's a rare occurrence, why would so many pilots have seen this so consistently for such a long period of time? I will say 
Um, with any weather phenomena, there are always specific requirements that need to be met for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And while it would be very unlikely, it is entirely possible that, especially in one area for one chunk of time, it happened to kind of meet those requirements. Especially since I'm not hearing any instances of these being seen after that period of time. I'm trying to think of when I had the last... Yeah, no, the uh, bulk of the reports uh, were from 1943 to 1945. Okay. I mean, yes, I agree it's unusual, but I'll also say that that does seem like the next most likely option other than uh, oh, yeah. fairies and jet planes, yeah. which is, of no, course, no, no. the most obvious one. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, I'll be 100% honest. It is very, very likely that it is ball lightning or, again, St. Elmo's fire because just of its behavior, its characteristics, its everything, it's still not really understand understood entirely from what I've been told or researched you know, how it forms, just that it forms from a buildup of excess electricity into plasma. I'm sure people who are better with science could explain this better than I can. But again, like, in the 1940s, they're not going to be like, ah, yes, this plasma ball that is occurring from electrical discharge at the edge of our plane. But if you wanted to still have fun with theories of skepticism, there is areas where it doesn't overlap or there are things that can't be explained 100% and I live in that gray area. So again, most likely it is a weather phenomenon. But there are areas of inconsistency if you want to have fun. I can respect that. Um, Alright. Well, for my monster this week um... I took a page out of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Good. Excited already. Uh, Yep. Because I realized we haven't really touched on that whole situation yet. We've done some Greek. We've done some, like, East Asian stuff. We haven't really... And that's a pretty significant one to have overpassed, so... I'm fairly significant. It's, if not the oldest, one of the oldest. But, yeah, yeah, I'm... (laughs) We've just been sleeping on it. Yeah. So, as always, I can't pronounce things right, but I always do my best. Um, my monster slash myth of the week is Humbaba. Um, so, Humbaba was a giant monster that protected, um, what forest was it? Oof. I read this, I read a whole bunch about it, and now my brain is sleeping on all the names for things. (laughs) Basically, he protected these uh, these specific woods. Uh, so Gilgamesh and Ekidu, who I believe had been sent to like keep Gilgamesh in line, kind of. The two of them fought a bunch, and then eventually they became friends, and they set out on this adventure. Uh, some of the versions I saw, they were heading out specifically to kill Humbaba, but most of the ones I saw, they wanted to cut down the logs in Humbaba's forest. To build a really fancy gate for Gilgamesh's home. That's rude as fuck. Right? <laughs> like, I don't 
have context for this story as I've never read it. So maybe I'm like making a gross oversight. No, I agree. But that's rude. And also, the gods in the story agree. (laughs) I'm glad. So basically, uh, they turn up at these woods. Humbaba's like, "The fuck, you you know, I'm the spirit protector of these woods." And Gilgamesh um, tricks the monster into giving away um, his seven radiances, which I saw some descriptions. They're like tablets, some they're like powers. I'm not really sure. Um, But basically, Gilgamesh is like, hey, why don't you, you know, here are my sisters, have them as wives. And like the list of things that he gives to um, Humbaba includes um, big shoes, tiny shoes, (laughs) semi-precious stones, a bundle of tree branches, uh, and and his sister, Mator, um, basically to kind of lure him into, I guess, comfort in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, so far, it sounds least... while uh, Humbaba's guard is down, because he thinks this is someone here to, like, worship him or whatever, to give him gifts, uh, Gilgamesh punches him and captures him. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> He's like, look, some pretty girls, haha, I got you, and then he... <laughs> It's a wow. <laughs> That's the worst psych I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, did you want pretty women? Psych, have a punch in the face. Jesus Christ, Gilgamesh, can we talk? <laughs> First he comes to cut down the woods. Then he pulls this bullshit. What the hell um, is the person in supposed to be like and Deku, I think you said, what is what are they doing when they're supposed to be keeping this bitch in line? Because they're doing a bad job. That you're asking. Um, Enkidu is the one who's like, hey, you should kill this bitch. <laughs> so, again, Gilgamesh's not- plan is like, we'll hold him host- we'll hold him captive, and all of my men will rush in and cut down all the trees and we'll take him back home with us. And Enkidu is like, no, 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 we gotta kill him. <laughs> this would be like if, like, either of us were in, tr- like, in trouble for, like, misbehaving and someone sent the other one as, like... <laughs> Keep them in line like we'd rob a bank three days later. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, it's fine. Um, So, Humbaba, nope, uh, Gilgamesh cuts off uh, Humbaba's head after uh, Humbaba tries to escape. And, um, oh, actually, sorry, I misread that. Um, Enkidu cuts off his head when he tries to escape. Um, and then puts his, uh, Humbaba's head in a leather sack and brings it to Enlil, which is the god who set Humbaba to guard the forest in the first place. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and Enlil gets really mad and yeah. redistributes the, uh, splendors of Humbaba. Although, I don't think he actually, like, does anything as punishment. I saw one version where he killed Enkidu for it. Um, and then that turns into another story about Gilgamesh is really sad that his friend is die- has died and is like, shit, I could probably also die. So he tries to get this, like, plant that will make him immortal, but a snake gets to it before it gets to it before he does, and the snake eats it, and that's why snakes shed their skin. Whereas oh. dumb humans are stuck dying all the time. <laughs> I mean, I have news for them about how snakes can shed their skin and no, still no. also die, but that's fun. 
But that, that doesn't directly have to do with Humbaba. I just thought it was interesting. So Humbaba, um, let's see. I have a description of him here. That was my next question. Yeah, I, I have it. Um, so there's a few different descriptions, but uh, he has the face of a lion, as well as the paws of a lion, and a body covered in thorny scales. His feet have the claws of a vulture, uh, and his head, he's got the horns of a wild bull, and his tail has a snake's head on the end of it. Uh, one translation also says that his penis has a snake's head on the end of it. <laughs> that was information I could have lived without knowing. But I can't believe Humbaba is just the combination of every furry subcategory all at once. Just all the literal ultimate furry. And I, I'm i just going to I'm gonna tap out here. It's been a great episode. Have, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, no, you're stuck here with me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Actually, the description and also pictures I saw of it aren't that far off from, like, the Chimera. Okay. It's kind of a similar monster. Just minus scale. Including the, um, snake tail. Yeah. Which, actually, I've seen in a few different- that seems to be a pretty common feature on ancient monsters. I uh, which. Heard. I, I love that, like, the ancient, like, how do we design a monster slider was, did we give it a snake yet? Let's give it a snake. Yeah, let's put a snake on its butt. Jesus That'll make Christ. it scary. Y'all, um, please. Uh, some other descriptors that were, that are given to Humbaba. When he looks at someone, it is the look of death. Humbaba's roar is a flood, his mouth is death, and his breath is fire. He can hear a hundred leagues away any rustling in his forest. Who, uh, and basically, like, literally, don't go here. He will kill you. He'll kill you so bad. Why would you go there? <laughs> and Gilgamesh is just like, ahaha, but if I tell him I'm here with my sister as a wife for him, he'll never <laughs> see it coming. Yay! And it worked. I can't believe. Like, what, what amazes me is, like, you have, like, this, what should be all-powerful deity being, and he just kind of goes down without much of a fight. Really easily, yeah. He gets tricked. And now, I will oh. say it's pr it's actually kind of common for, like, the hero of the story in ancient myths to use trickery to defeat a monster that he shouldn't be able to beat normally. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty common thing, kind of playing yeah. on, you know the intellect of humans giving us an advantage over horrible monsters. Which, boy, do I have news for them about the intellect of humans. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing that I did find very interesting is that a lot of the time in those cases, it's played off as, like, look at this horrible monster and what a hero he is for slaying it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this one, it's kind of like, hey, Gilgamesh, that was actually a dick move. Yeah. You could have just, like, not killed him. He's just here, like, protecting this forest, and you're a dick. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're, like, maybe, again, con maybe context is important, but I feel like I have all the context I need to decide that Gilgamesh is a motherfucker. Yeah. I, ha I have not read the entirety of the Epic of Gilgamesh. I have read bits and pieces of it to be fully, you know, forthright on the matter. But, at least in this one, fuck you, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. Dude's just trying to guard the forest. Forests are important. He just wants to leave him alone. It is of the of nature. There's nothing wrong with that. And Gilgamesh also, like, is it, like, no, no, I need to have a gate made out of the cedar wood from this one specific spirit guarded forest. Yeah, and like, if it wasn't bad enough that you had to like capture this dude and defile his forest after lying to his face, you killed him. You straight up killed him. Literally. So, oh, um, do you have any fun my... other f- fun? Uh, and then another thing that um that that is just mentioned at the end um is that first of all apparently um the reason why he needed to steal wood from this forest was that there was no like there was no timber in Mesopotamia. And so he was, you know, getting wood to build with. But, like, you could have gone somewhere else. There's I was gonna say, I, woods. I know Presumably, for a fact. Presumably, if you don't have any wood in Mesopotamia, you have something else that you use for building. There are so many woods all over the world. And, like, I understand at that time, travel was not a big thing. And also, the distances in which you could likely carry large amounts of logs was probably small. But I feel like... The sacred guarded, like, forest is probably not a thing. Not the one to hit up, yeah. Um, And and even, listen, I can at least allow in desperation, but then don't bring the guy's head back to the god that made him in charge as a bragging right. That, that is absolutely wild to me. Also, apparently, when Gilgamesh is like, reaches the towards the end of his life and is faced with his own mortality the gods are there like oh yeah you did so many great things gilgamesh remember that time that you killed him baba oh god which i feel baba on a deep spiritual level <laughs> yeah just that level of pettiness really kick him while he's down it sounds like um, he's earned it. He has earned it. Um, so that's my monster. Somewhat a fan. Uh, I'll give you a 7 out of 10. Thank you. I'll take it. Um, so first we're doing combat. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you I feel like I have a pretty solid advantage on this. Seeing as that his only weakness is apparently pretty ladies and yours are just balls of fire. Which are not now, pretty ladies. <laughs> I will present a counter-argument to that, which is, we have accepted and you have described my creatures as fae-like beings, which are known for their trickery and known for their cunning. And this man was defeated by a human for trickery and cunning. So, like, they may not be pretty ladies, but I'm pretty sure they could arrange it. I am not sure I agree. So here's the thing. All speak of them being fae was just, like, BS that I was coming up with on the spot. Okay. And while I do think it is an interesting theory, at no point was it described as one of the theories people have for what these are. That is something that I came up with based on location and the description you were giving. However... All that you've told me about these things is that the most they might be UFOs, 
they are most likely um, St. Elmo's Fire. And that the description of their behavior very specifically was playing around, tricking around, all of that, but never harming. So, to which I bring you, he's able to beat it by tricking him, yes, but then being able to fight in order to decapitate its head. If your if the Foo Fighters, which is wild to say, because my brain still <laughs> thinks it's just a band, yeah, um, it's gonna be, when I put it in the episode title, everyone's gonna be like, "What? What's their fighting is- bands now? <laughs> Music gonna- counts." What I did this in part just for the title. I'll be honest with you. Oh my god! But regardless, they would need to then have a way to defeat it, and okay. I'm not sure how they're gonna kill a fire breathing. Death stare, giant lion monster that is covered in impenetrable scales. Okay, so here's the thing. One, I cannot argue for either with a ball of light. I cannot I know. weather phenomena. I cannot do it. So, <laughs> Which is why I'm wild that you chose this. As this is a cryptids podcast, and they are still technically considered within crypto- cryptozoology, I have to assume that they are some form of sentient life and we have to, like, we can work out the parameters, but I have to, for both of these arguments, assume that they are sentient. Second, I agree with that. never and any of our, like, we have recently gotten to that, but we have never explicitly stated in any podcast that it has to be a fight to the death. If you go back to our first podcast, okay, but- when Nessie and the Mothman were fighting, at no point did we ever have to be like, okay, it's a combat to the death. So it's not like you have to kill them. You just have to defeat them. Fine. Then how would... What are you counting defeating it? So if we go under the same parameters as what Gilgamesh was able to, then the Foo Fighters, which I'm never getting over this, the Foo Fighters should reasonably be able to trick and then therefore restrain Humbaba, which would count as prowess over in combat. But Humbaba, after being captured, was able to escape and almost did escape until he was killed. Well, you didn't Which... include that in your story. Yes, I did. Did you, though? I, I promise I did. I don't have the time marker because I wasn't bothering to look for it at the time. But how it goes down is he gets tricked, gets captured. Um, Gilgamesh's friend is like, hey, we should kill this bitch. Gilgamesh, I guess, is making up his mind or whatever. In that time, Humbaba tries to plead for his life, and when he that doesn't seem to be working, he makes a break for it. The thing is, if he can escape, then he isn't defeated. I and so then they are forced to... to kill him to effectively keep him defeated. Okay. See, I see the problem with this is just that like firepower and shooting at the Foo Fighters didn't kill or harm them in any way, so we don't actually know what kills them. Yeah, you keep doing this thing where you'll bring in a monster and be like, well, they win on the technicality if you can't kill them. Now, 
I should acknowledge they have no combat capabilities of their own. No, no, no. They have no way of winning. But they will win by default on account of that they cannot die. Okay, I, the only and other time I did this. insane. Because every the, time I'm like, this is my monster. This is what it can do in a fight. And you're like, oh, but mine is a ball of light and therefore can't be killed. The only other time I did this was with the Kraken and you had an explicit way to kill them. This is the only instance in which they have neither, okay? In all of the previous episodes, it was either one, they couldn't be killed, which was the Furies, or um, it was a technicality of we don't, like, it would be difficult to. So at least in this instance, this is the only instance in which there's both. That we don't know a way to kill them. I. This is true, but it's not the only time that you've tried to use the fact that we're not sure how to kill it as evidence that it cannot be killed. You will remember on the fucking squonk episode, <laughs> you tried to pretend you were like, well, it turns to water, but that might actually be the death of it. For all you know, that's an that's an escape pattern that it can use. Maybe it can't be killed. <laughs> I have to present every Always plausible argument that I have. I'm it's, not saying they're good arguments. I'm just saying if I throw enough darts, something's got to stick. <laughs> you would do the same and have done the same. I would do the same, except the difference is that I make an effort to pick a monster that I can make an argument for. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. This is infinitely more entertaining. Fucking this is absolutely I hate more you so much. Flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <laughs> like, like I just love it for the potential. Who would win this giant spirit deity monster with a face and gaze like death, or one ball of light, one glowy Christmas light? Like, I love it. I absolutely here for it every time. I just, I cannot imagine. That an ancient, powerful being put to defend a forest by the gods can be defeated by a Christmas light with no <laughs> combat abilities. I will not believe it. <laughs> I okay? will. I will actually give you this one because again, they're they're thanks literal bare fucking minimum. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like again, even when faced with literal like fighter planes in the midst of a war, they were still like, haha, yay, fun times! So, like, even if they would just, at best, they would piss him off. Like, they might, like, win in, like, little victories, but, like, they wouldn't actually best in combat in any way. I like how even when defeating, when admitting your defeat, you still worded it in a way to make it sound like you didn't lose that much. Have, have you, okay, when you admit defeat, you flat I've out refuse to so admit defeat. Note. So I that's, don't admit defeat. That's that's exactly it. Like even in episodes where you've had to grant me victory, you've just straight up not done that. So you're not better than me. <laughs> you just straight up not done that. <laughs> you're not better than me. I would never pretend otherwise. Um. Now we get to the fun one. Oh boy. Dateability. I will say. Um, we're going to have a time here because you're never going to convince me that that thing is dateable. Yeah, I'm deeply sorry the to the entire, like, entire I furry community. It's with not him. happening. He just wants to kick it in the woods and protect some trees, which I'm into. I respect that. And presumably, someone must have been horny for him at some point since they felt the need to go in and put some thought into what his dick is like. Yeah! But like... <laughs> 
somebody was like, oh man, he is so sexy, he's going to have a serpent dick, which I've never been that horny in my whole life. <laughs> and that's coming from me. Y'all have listened to enough of my bullshit by now that that should be concerning. No, it's it's absolutely true. I just, you know. Uh, although on the flip side, like, yours. Okay, so here's some <laughs> fun things. Uh, literally radiant, beautiful, fantastic. Uh, enjoys just... fun pranks, you know, has been sociable with people. Go on, which I have been told. We, we, you said the planes weren't romantic, but I have recently found out that there are people that absolutely find flights romantic, so would be with you on planes. So they have a playful personality. They'd be up for romantic plane flights. Nice to look at. Everybody loves lights. Are only visible sometimes, and you can only see them when you're on a plane, which can I just say would get expensive as hell. I know you've made arguments in the past like, this sea monster can't win, you need a boat to go see it. But it's easy enough to row out into the ocean in a fucking rowboat or whatever. Fucking, you have to buy and maintain a plane anytime you want to see these things. Well, that's not actually true, because if we, again, if you go under the assumption that they're saying Elmo's fire, they have been seen closer to the ground. They're more commonly seen but if you're going under that assumption they're no longer a cryptid i'm just saying you're the, saying only, place that the we only way they can exist out of the sky is for them to be a non-sentient weather phenomenon which i was going under the assumption we had crossed off the list for i had also sake. but then if we're going under that assumption that there's nothing that explicitly states that that's where they have to be seen they've never been seen anywhere else Alyssa attack you don't know that! I, Based on the evidence you gave... One... Okay. There was one report in 1941 of a merchant, a Polish merchant who had seen it from, the bo- from a boat. He was staring up at the skies while escort- escorting British soldiers and he was able to see them from the ground... From the ground of a boat. But I did still not include in that sky. because I did not... Yeah. But you could still see it. with it. You could still have a conversation. Really? Next time, I have a fun idea. You're gonna go up in a plane, and I'll stay Uh down on the ground, and we'll see if we can shout to each other. Yeah, no problem. See if we can hear it. Yeah. (laughs) We are the loudest people I know. My downstairs neighbors can attest. (laughs) So if we can't make it work, I don't know if anyone can. Have you heard of long-distance relationships? There's other ways of communicating. Oh, I'm sorry, are you going to get this ball lightning a cell phone? Yeah. It's, <laughs> listen, if it's fake, it's capable. It probably they gets better range. thumbs. You don't know that. You don't know that. The Foo Fighters are capable of great romance, enjoy mischief, enjoy long plane rides, are beautiful to look at, and you're just mad because you have a scaly lion with some bird hands. I swear to fucking God, Alyssa. Look, I refuse to give this to you because that is completely ridiculous. I I agree that neither of them are especially dateable. But if I... Clearly, any romance happening cannot be sexual because yours is a ball of light and mine is an 
animal of, hu- of human intelligence. Yeah. Sex can't happen here. But I no. would, given that understanding, tragic though it may be, I would rather go kick it with a forest god who just kind of wants to lay around and enjoy pretty things, okay? I would rather date that one. And I will let this end in a tie for the dateability if That's you're fair. that set on it. But I cannot let you win this on the argument of, but you never know, it could have these features that would allow for a relationship to happen, maybe. I'm just saying, I am so viscerally repulsed by, I'm, I'm sorry, by the snake uh, dick. Bubba. I considered but not I, I mentioning am... the snake dick, but I was like, no, this needs to be mentioned. Because I... in some, because I have to tell you, I only saw that one mentioned in some of the versions, like different translations of the same story. Some of them just mention the snake tail. Some Ooh. of them are like, and also his penis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, by the way, fun fact, fun addition. Yeah. And part of me was like, mm, that will really lose me points for dateability, as it should. But I, I cannot lie. And so I will share this info, which is very morally good of me, and surprisingly so, because I am notoriously a fucking lying bitch. <laughs> I, I can, I, I appreciate your magnanimous offering. And, uh, yes, I, I, we'll, we'll call it a tie. Um, for personal preferences and for, uh, you graciously including the awful, awful snake dog. <laughs> Um, so you guys can weigh in as always. We'll put a poll up on Twitter, uh, at Mythids1. Uh, last week's poll was between the Lagerflot Worm and the Fresno Nightcrawler, and it was close. Uh, Fresno Right Nightcrawler won 58 to 42%. Vindication! But it was, it was a tight call. Um, and one of our followers, uh, Elian... Um, commented, my brain is telling me worm, but my heart is telling me Fresno Nightcrawler. <laughs> I'd like to personally thank Elian. Like, thank you for understanding. Like, sometimes I think this is a good reflection of today's episode. Sometimes logic and brain tell you one thing, but in your deepest, hardest, hardest of hearts, your heart tells you another, and you just have to follow your heart. And sometimes it leads you to Futch's uh, that are walking pairs of pants, like the Fresno Nightcrawler. And sometimes it leads you to balls of lightning. But you never know where your heart's going to take you. And that's the real beauty of that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Alyssa's laughing suddenly because of the absolutely disgusted look I was giving her. I could only carry on with my bullshit for so long. I mean, it wasn't was bullshit. There's a part of me that genuine. What? Listen, there's a part of me that believes it. Did I embellish a lot uh, for dramatic reasons? Yes, but there is a part of me that believes it, and I stand by it. I will say, tragically, Eddie did vote for the Nightcrawler. I knew I could trust him. I can't. And here's here's the weird thing with this one. This is the first time when I haven't had a horse in the race. So, like, on the one hand, part of me instinctively wants to fight for the worm just because... 
that would be up against you. Like, I want to argue with you for the sake of arguing. <laughs> but also, like, technically, I am indifferent to either one. I just hate seeing you win. <laughs> I, I love that the consistency is, like, even if I can't vote or I don't do anything about it, I have to vote against Alyssa or Alyssa can't win, which fuels me even more when I'm vindicated by the internet. I swear. Okay. Um, sources? Yes. So my sources for today were kind of a mess, but I had the I had the concept of aviators Virgo from Edgar Vanak. I had let us not forget a tribute to America's twentieth century veterans. Um, the Smoky Stovers, obviously, the comics and that history of um, etymology of foo, um, myths and legends of the Second World War. Um, bringing in the Thunder, Missions of a World War II pilot, B-29 pilot in the Pacific. Uh, man-made UFOs in 1944 to 1994, 50 years of suppression. Uh, and I think that was it. Oh, yeah. and an issue of New York Times from January 1945. Fucking wild. Okay. Um, so... My sources this week, I started off with The Mythical Creatures Bible by Brenda Rosen. Uh, it's a really neat little book that's got just like, you know, maybe a page or a few paragraphs on all sorts of different monsters, myths, etc. Um, that I thought might be a good starting point. And from there, I took to the internet. As always, Wikipedia is always my friend. Um, I also, as I often do, ended up taking a step into some um, fandom wikis. Um, I think one of the main ones I used was the demonology one, which is wild. Um, but a lot of those different, uh, wikis tend to have a lot of info on myths and monsters and whatnot. So I tend to find them very useful. Um, as always, guys, uh, if, you know, vote in the poll, leave comments, tell us your arguments. I love to hear them. Um... <laughs> If you guys could leave a five-star uh, rating and maybe leave a review over on iTunes or wherever you're listening, that would be super helpful. Um, I know when we first got started, a bunch of you guys left uh, ratings. A couple of you have left reviews. Um, it's just, I like the validation. I'm a vain like little opinions. bitch and I appreciate it. So if you can, that would be really cool. Um, and beyond that, I mean, you know. I think that covers it. Uh, the music yeah. was made by your husband. My beautiful hot piece of ass, Eddie. <laughs> you um, will hear that. Oh, he's sitting in the other room hearing this right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful slut that I am married to. Uh, and Fantastic. a very talented one at that. So he did the music. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.